I'd like for us to start off reading the first eight verses of Romans chapter 12. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Last time we gathered together and I I got to present a sermon, we went through the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. And we saw how Paul, by the mercies of God, wants us to become living sacrifices. He wants us to remember the mercies that were shown to us. And to worship God by being a living sacrifice. And that, that means that we need to not be conformed to the world, but instead we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. As we just read and as we're going to be studying tonight, what we see is Paul continues to develop this thought of how we think. The renewed mind that he mentions in verse 2 is going to be expressed more clearly in the rest of the book, essentially. Uh, but, but specifically, as we look at verses 3 through 8 this evening, what we're going to see is that Paul wants to help us understand how the renewed mind thinks about itself. How do we think about ourselves? Notice the word that he uses in, in verse 3. He says, not to think more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Sober judgment. Isn't this interesting that that Paul would have us think about ourselves and that he would make this statement to us. Think with sober judgment. How do we think about ourselves? Uh, Isn't this a very important question for us today? To think about ourselves... Everybody thinks about themselves, right? We all think about ourselves. We think about ourselves more than we think about anybody else on this earth. How do we need to think about ourselves? Well, he says to think with sober judgment. What does that mean? How can I think about myself with sober judgment? The word sober means to think realistically or to think sanely about ourselves. So essentially Paul is saying... Don't think about yourself in a way that is insane. Don't think about yourself in a way that that just doesn't make sense. But think about yourself in a way that that does make sense. A way that is, is realistic of who we are on this earth. 
And then in verse 3, notice he starts off with, don't think about yourself more highly than you ought to think. And then after saying, think soberly, he explains it by saying, but each one of you are to think according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So he tells us how not to think of ourselves. And then he tells us how to think of ourselves. What does all this mean? And how do I tend to think this way or that way? And and how do I really need to be thinking about myself? Well, that's what we're going to study tonight and understand what each of these things mean. How do we think with sober judgment about ourselves? How do we think in a way that's not thinking more highly than we ought to think? How do we think in a way that's according to the measure of faith that God has assigned? And what does that mean? First of all, let's think about more highly than you ought to think. Why does Paul focus in on this whenever he's bringing up how, do, how we need to think about ourselves? How does the renewed mind think about him, their, their self? The first thing he says, not more highly than you ought to think. This, this idea of thinking more highly than ourselves goes against the transformed life that he has just mentioned. The self-sacrificing life. The life that says, I don't care about myself, I care about others around me. When we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, we're not thinking about the good of others, we're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about what benefits us, and we're thinking about our own glorification and our own worship of ourselves. And this is something that goes against the very reason why God saved us, what He expected to to find in us is hearts that are transformed and renewed minds that think differently than the world. Because this is the way the world thinks. The world thinks more highly of itself than it ought to think. I mean, this is the way it's always been throughout history. You go back and you look at all these nations that God judges, and what do we see? Pride. Over and over again, these nations are being judged because they're proud. The most notable is Nebuchadnezzar, who who is told not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And then a year later goes out on the balcony and says, look at what all I have accomplished. And he gets to go eat grass for a little while until he realizes he doesn't need to think that way. This is our tendency. We we have a tendency to think of ourselves in a way that is very proud and and high-minded, that we are something more than what we really are. In the New Testament, we see the disciples doing this as well, right? They're thinking, I'm the greatest, and and trying to, to pursue that, their own glory in everything they do. I love how Peter does it. He says uh, the most wonderful statement, You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Great job, Peter. And in the next statement, he rebukes the Messiah, the Son of the living God, saying, No, you can't go to Jerusalem and be crucified. I mean, there's pictures for us throughout the Bible of people being proud, high-minded, thinking more highly than they ought to think. And there's pictures all around us as well as we live out our lives. Well, why might these Roman Christians be proud? Well, they live in Rome, right? 
I mean, they've got these first world uh, issues that they're dealing with, and, and they're the capital of the world, and that's that's the society that they're around, and they are Romans, a lot of them, and so there there might be a tendency for them to think especially highly of themselves because they are in the capital city of the world, and they are the Christians who everyone is looking to uh, as an example, but. When we think about ourselves, it's real easy, isn't it, to think about everybody else and to think about the pride and the arrogance that's going on all around us. Do we realize that we also struggle with this? Don't we tend to struggle with thinking more highly of ourselves than we really ought to think? I think we do. I think there's a lot in us that that wants to think I am good, and I am doing a good job. Uh, And that wants to think, I'm not messing up. This is not a mistake. I mean, you get in an argument, the first thing that we say is, well, that wasn't really my fault, or I don't think you understood quite what I was doing there. I mean, we have this pride inside of us. So Paul tells us in verse 3, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The renewed mind doesn't think this way. So how are we going to overcome this? If we are prideful people, if this is something that the world around us is doing and that we also notice in ourselves from time to time, how can we avoid prideful thinking about ourselves and the things that we do? Uh, You know, the tendency is for those of us who are preachers or those of us who are leaders in, in some facet of our lives to think proud about what we've accomplished. How can we stop doing that? Paul helps us with this. In in verses 4 and 5, we notice him talking about the body. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He says that the way that Christians now need to think about themselves is just a small piece of the puzzle. Uh, A small ant, a worker ant or worker bee that is just a member of the entire colony that is working together for a common purpose. And none of us are the most important part. We're just a part that is being used to God's glory. This is the right way for us to think about ourselves. It's not that we are so wonderful that we are the show that everyone should look at us and learn how to do things, but it's that we are just a small part and we are working together, relying on each other in order to accomplish anything. Can you imagine a hand saying, I am the body. (laughs) I'm what this whole body is about. You You can't say that, right? If the elbow isn't working, the hand just does nothing, right? The hand just moves around. If the shoulder's not working, then yeah, you've got an elbow, you've got a hand, but you can't do that much, right? And if the feet aren't working, the hand can't do anything. The body is needing all of its parts to work together just for one part to accomplish its mission. So we see the codependency that we have with one another should help to to quill some of that high-mindedness, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Whatever I'm able to accomplish, I need the help of those around me to get me there. I can't do this on my own. But not only do I need those around me, 
Notice how he says this in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. Notice, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Where do our gifts and our abilities ultimately come from? Whatever it is that we have an ability to do, whatever member of the body I am, God is the one who has set me in that position with that ability. The air I breathe, the the voice that I speak with, the, the body that I'm given is all a gift from God. And whatever great talents or abilities I have, they're all gifts given to me by God. And this is the way Paul wants us to look at ourselves. Not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think because if I have an ability to speak or if I have an ability to to work really well in this one area, it's ultimately because God gave me that ability, not because of how great I am. I I can't grow, I can't become anything without God helping me along the way. And notice how Paul looks at himself this way. Look at verse 3. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. This is Paul. (laughs) Wait a second, Paul. Uh, you're, you're, you're like the greatest apostle, right? You're the guy who, who we look at and you wrote Romans, right? We, would go, we were to go up to him and be like, man, that was, that was the, the best book ever. I spent years studying that and I still didn't grasp what you said here, here, and here. You know, it's so deep. There's so much to get out of this. And what would Paul say in response? Would he say, oh yeah, that's one of my greatest works? No. By the grace given to me, I say to you. Whatever it is Paul's able to do, he has this recognition in himself that it's not because of him. God has given him that gift. God has given him that ability. And God has made it to where he is able to do these things that he is doing. That he is able to reveal these truths to us. Back in chapter 1 verse 1, he starts out the book saying, I, Paul, a slave of Christ. Whatever he has that he can do, it's because Christ and God are working through him. Do we think about ourselves this way? How in the world could we ever say, I have this great ability, look at me and honor me. For my greatness. Do we ever think that? Or do we ever want people to think that way toward us? That they might admire us? That they might look up to us for our gifts, for our abilities, for what we can do? But Paul said it very clearly in 1 Corinthians 4.7. He said, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Ultimately, everything we have comes from God. Our homes, our cars, uh, our, our families, even our abilities come from God. God is the one who allows us to do that. So we're nothing without God. And thinking highly of ourselves will get us into a lot of trouble. That's what we see happening over and over again in the Old Testament. They thought highly of themselves. And God said, I'm going to make you think lower of yourself. 
And that's what you need because you are not what you think you are. Thinking highly of myself is unacceptable at work, at home, at church. Uh, anytime I'm discussing any topic, even though I know a lot about it, even though I've got all this knowledge, I need to recognize God is the one ultimately who gave that to me. And it's not because I'm so great. The second thing that he mentions there in verse 3 is how we need to think about ourselves. And he uses this phrase that... that threw me off as I was trying to study this, and it can easily throw us off. He says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned us. Well, what in the world does this mean? Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned us. Is he, is he saying that God has assigned us some amount of faith? Well, does that make sense with the way we understand scriptures in general, that God assigns to each person an amount of faith. When we look at Jesus in in the Gospels, and He's pointing out people's faith, is this the way He talks about it? God has given you little faith, and God has given you much... No, He doesn't say it that way. He says, oh, you of little faith, or I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. So it can't be this way, that that God assigns each of us a measure of faith. That doesn't really make any sense. If God were to do that, it would seem like that's unjust because that's the basis of our salvation. So what does he mean? Well, the word measure can also be translated standard. And this makes a lot of sense. Think about this. Each according to the standard of faith that God has assigned. Well, okay, that may help some but what does that mean? <laughs> what, is, what, is it, what is the standard of faith that God has assigned? I want you to notice how he answers this question in the next verse. Look at the very first word of verse 4. For, because, this is explaining what God has done, what God has assigned. The standard of faith that God has assigned is about to be explained. What is the standard or the measure of faith that God has assigned? We, though many, are one body in Christ. Our measure is the body of Christ. This is the standard of our faith. This makes a whole lot of sense with what we studied about a month ago in Ephesians 4.13. And this is the way we understood that text as we were reading through it. You remember how Paul says that as the body is being equipped by certain members, we're working together to attain the unity of the faith, uh, to mature manhood. And he says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our goal. That's what we've been assigned. That's the standard of faith. That's our mission. To be Christ on the earth. So what does this have to do with sober judgment? He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. According to the standard of of Christ. Sober judgment means we need to think very seriously about our role in the body of Christ. God has assigned us a role in the body of Christ. 
And we need to be thinking about what that role is. We need to be considering the role God has assigned for each and every one of us in order for the body to be built up to become Christ on the earth. This is the way we need to think about ourselves. I am a member of Christ's body. What I do impacts the way the body functions on the earth. In order for Christ to be correctly represented on the earth, I need to think about myself this way. I need to think about my role this way. That what I am here to do is important. So the question is, are we trying to reach that standard or not? Are we working together to become Christ on the earth? With each part doing its share. We realize we're only a small part. We're not going to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We're not going to think as though we are the head, like I'm, I'm the whole body because I'm a hand. We're not going to think about ourselves that way, but we have to recognize we all play a part in the body. This is the way God established or designed the church to be. So how do we think about ourselves and our role in the body? Are we apathetic or lazy about our gifts? Do we think, well, I can't do what brother so-and-so can do. I can never do it to that ability. Or I, I, I can never do that function and that's the main function because it's a hand. I can only be an elbow so I don't need to do anything. Is this the way we ought to think about our gifts? Do we think our gifts are useless? Look at the gifts that he lists here. He talks about prophecy. And then he says, if we are servants in our serving, we need to be using our gift in proportion to our faith. If we're teachers, we need to be teaching in proportion to our faith. The one who exhorts needs to be exhorting in proportion to their faith. The one who contributes needs to be contributing in proportion to our faith. That's the idea in all of this. Whatever God has given us the ability to do, We need to be striving to do it, realizing it's a valuable part of the body. Our gifts are not useless. And we can't think of them that way because God is the one who gave us this gift. God knows what gift you have. He gave it to you to be used. So let us use them. In proportion to our faith. Let us use our gifts. Are you a servant? Well, we're all supposed to be servants in some form, in some way. Who do you serve? Do you serve the elderly? Do you serve the children? Do you serve the visitors? Do you serve all the members? What do you do in your service to God? How do you function? And are you using your gift in proportion to your faith? If you're not using your gift, are you one of little faith? And don't you need to grow in that? Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We need to be growing in our faith and growing in our desire to use our gifts faithfully to God, whatever those gifts are. 
And we can pray to God and ask God to give us more gifts and to give us more ability inside those gifts. But do we have the faith to use our gifts in the body and trust that God sees it and that God is working through that to create a body that looks like Christ on the earth? Alright, so we've looked at these eight verses. What do we learn about the renewed mind? The renewed mind accurately estimates itself. I don't want to be somebody who thinks about myself all the time necessarily, but whenever I do think about myself, I need to think about myself in a way that's accurate. I don't need to overestimate my greatness saying, look at me and all of my abilities and I'm the best preacher and I'm the best Bible teacher and I'm the best whatever it is, the servant, best whatever it is. But also we don't underestimate our gift's relevance. Whatever the gift is that we're given, we don't consider it to be useless in the kingdom. We realize God sees our gifts. Uh, It was in the earlier slide, but I forgot to mention it. Think about the talents. Think about what Jesus said in the parable of the talents. He gives to each a certain amount of money. One he gives five bags of gold. One he gives two bags of gold. Another he gives one bag of gold. And what's the tendency of the one who has the more gift? Well, he goes out and he uses that gift. And then the one who has less is more apathetic. And he doesn't use his gift. What does he do? He buries it in the ground thinking it's useless. We can't think that way, that our gifts are somehow useless or irrelevant. Whatever our gifts are, we need to think about our gifts with humility And we need to be striving to use these gifts to develop the body to reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. We need to give God our everything, every day, using our gifts to serve Him. You think about the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not one person here can measure up to that. And working together as a body, that's a lot and that's hard. That's a, that, that takes the pursuit of excellence in everything we do. The pursuit of excellence in our worship, the pursuit of excellence in our jobs, the pursuit of excellence in our families, the pursuit of excellence everywhere with our friends. We do what is right and good and honorable and true in front of them all that they might see Christ living in the body of Christ. And we're building up one another to accomplish this purpose. So renew your minds. As living sacrifices, let us grow in faith, pray to God to give us more gifts, and consider ourselves. What is our act of service? And how can we use it effectively? If you're not a member of the body of Christ, then you're not partaking in the blessings that God has to offer each and every one of us. And we want you to know that experience. We want you to to understand the love that God has shown in Christ. And the sacrifice that He has lived for us all. As He came down from heaven and lived as one who is nothing, as as a servant to all. That was what He did. He didn't come down to earth to be served. He didn't come down to earth with this high-mindedness that I am the greatest and you must serve me. But He came to serve. We see that in Him. As He washes His disciples' feet, as He cares for the lowly and the outcast. We see the desire of Christ to think soberly about Himself and His role in the kingdom 
as a child, as the, the child, the son of God. And this is the way God wants us to think about ourselves as sons of God who are being made into the glorious image of Jesus. If you haven't put on Christ, then you haven't began the journey into that. It's a long journey. It takes a long time to to work on ourselves, to work on our pride, to work on our arrogance, to work on our apathy and our laziness, to work on all the kinds of sins that we find in ourselves every day to be better and better to God's glory because we understand it's worth it. And we understand He's given us a purpose on this earth and we want to fulfill our mission. If you haven't began the mission, we want you to do that. We want to help you in any way we can. If you need a Bible study, we're happy to study with you to help you understand more about what God has done and what He expects from you. Or if you just need prayers and encouragement and whatever it is you're here to do on this earth, we're happy to do that. Please come as we stand and as we sing.